and welcome to A Lifetime of Planet Groove, the podcast all about Maceo Parker's amazing 1992 live album, Life on Planet Groove. I'm Guy. And I'm Ed. Hello, Ed. Now, Guy, um, <laughs> tell me honestly, how many times have you listened to Life on Planet Groove this week? Uh, <laughs> I'd say twice this week. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's fairly moderate intake. My, yeah, my intake has generally been high. I mean, you know, listen to it year round, but um, obviously yeah. at the moment, um, yes, with all the work on yeah, the no, episodes. I must say, I don't listen to it twice a week, every week. I think I do I have listened, you know, as we've talked about, I listen to it very frequently, but yeah, because we're, we're doing this podcast, I've been listening to it a lot more than usual, which is great. You can have too much yeah. of a good thing. Can you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can't. No. <laughs> Anyway, um, we've got another interview on this episode, and it's yes. a it's a corker. It's Kim Maisel, um, the powerhouse vocalist who, you know, let's say, let's just set it, tell it as it is, sets the stage on fire when she turns up on Life on Planet Groove. Mm-hmm. Um, she's absolutely incredible, and she was a she was amazing to talk to. I, I I loved speaking to her. It was such. It took a while to sort out. There was a lot of toing and froing because I think she was touring. Um, and I think, as we'll hear in the interview, I think she, she kind of just does her own thing a lot of the time, doesn't she, Kim? I get the impression that there's nobody really telling her what to do. She just goes yeah. off and does whatever she wants. And so it was such a a thrill to sort of get her to get get something arranged. And uh, we spoke uh, all about life on Planet Groove and also all about her career. So, yeah, it was amazing. I loved it. Okay, so here is Kim Maisel. Right, Kim. So we'll talk about life on Planet Groove in a minute, but I just wanted to start really just by asking. I mean, you've had an incredible career, worked with all sorts of artists, all sorts of genres. I mean, where did it all begin for you? Where did you? How did the journey for you start being a professional singer? I guess it always starts from from birth. As far as I can remember, I loved music. I um, sang music. I sang like commercials that came on telly when I was a kid. I'd <laughs> sing along. Um, I'd sing at church sometimes. Not a lot because I think something about, I did like like the gospel and that kind of rhythm and some of the uh, music, but I didn't understand um, a lot of the stuff. And I think at the time Motown and uh, Atlantic Records music was so strong that I gravitated um, more to rambunctious <laughs> songs <laughs> and, and and rhythms. So I'd sing along to Gladys Knight, Aretha Franklin, um, Denise LaSalle, Bobby Blue Bland. I think I liked really bluesy stuff coming from Gary, Indiana. Uh, it was sort of kind of like a highway to the blues. It was loads of nightclubs there where all uh, the artists would play, all the African-American artists would come through because Gary was basically a chocolate city, as we called it. And um, yeah, so it was a lot of music around me, my parents, their records and things like that. 
So I just would always sing, and I guess that sort of blazed the way for me. So I started joining local bands and uh, doing local talent shows and things as I got older in, you know, little clubs and things like that. I'd sneak out the bedroom window to go because I wasn't allowed. <laughs> so, you know, there was like lots of little things like that. Um, local groups near me rehearsing. I'd come down and listen or sometimes they'd let me join in and sing and one day one of the guys was like you can sing you know and I was like okay so you know just kept going and going and then the Jacksons were you know on on the block as well we had the the uh recording studio down the road that they rehearsed and recorded at so it was just like lots of music um I didn't know what genres or uh, what genres were. I just sang everything from uh, Betty Davis, that kind of funky stuff, you know, Miles Davis, uh, Jimi Hendrix, you name it. Um, REO Speedwagon, I actually sang with them once. Dark Side of the Moon, Alice Cooper, uh, Janis Joplin, you name I was listening to everything musical. And then I um, eventually got a scholarship to go to school because my mom was like, you can't do anything unless you go to get a degree or college or something. So clever me, I found a school in Chicago. Uh, well, it took it took twice, but one, I got a, a scholarship to go to this all women's Catholic college, like, and I studied opera there. Wow. <laughs> and did some intern, yeah, and edu- uh, voice education because I said oh, I could be a music teacher whatever it took to get this degree so I could sing in bands that, yeah. <laughs> basically that was the goal I wasn't like oh, I'm going to be an opera singer or teach I, my mom says I can't do anything unless I get this paper and then I came uh, through to uh, it was in Chicago and I ended up doing like a, a cross school there was another school available where you could go and get credits from this other school, Columbia College, which was uh, downtown Chicago. And what they taught there was all music related. They had uh, entertainment uh, management. They had how to promote pop rock concerts, recording, uh, entertainment law, everything to do with entertainment. So I went as an exchange student. That's what it's called. Exchange student program. And then there was this music or this sound or these clubs that was testing out beats broken yeah. beats that were not even production it was and that was early house what would become yeah. house and i started uh i was like this stuff needs some real singing on it because it's awful <laughs> this is what i was thinking but the kids were loving it because it was in the underground groove it wasn't on the radio it was raw yeah. and we'd go to different clubs warehouse berlin's all these different places. And then I got in very early uh, with early DJs, which was Frankie Knuckles, Marcia Jefferson, and started um, doing this stuff. And then I guess it had an underground um, following across the pond, which would be England. But what we didn't know, we didn't understand anything. And, And in England, during that time, England was having a musical revolution and had something called pirate radio. Yes. Which we didn't understand anything about that either. Either, <laughs> but apparently this music 
was feeding the pirate radio and everything was bubbling underground. This, uh, something called dance hall in Jamaica early was feeding pirate radio in the eighties in the UK. And they were coming, getting our acetates, uh, whatever, whatever. And, um, and that's how I got in the industry and came to England and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that would be that. Yeah. And did you, so, you know, you say your mom made you go and do the, get the, the piece of paper, but did you always know then that from an early age that it was being a singer was what you wanted to be and what you aspired to be? I always knew that I was going to be in uh, like an entertainer or, you know, like Tina Turner or like, you know, all of these ladies I would see on television, Nancy Wilson or whoever was standing behind a mic. Um, it was like helping me to go, this is it. This Nothing I, to the left, to the right. I, 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 I wasn't wavering. Um, although you know, it's really odd. I liked working with plants and gardens and trees and digging in the dirt too. <laughs> right. So, um, which, but I was like, nah, it's not glamorous. <laughs> uh, it's like, but I did consider, I was like, horticulture. I was like, I can't pronounce the word, but, <laughs> but I love that. That's cute too. But nah, you know, uh, not unless I could wear a sequins gown, and probably nowadays you can go digging a dirt and, in a frock. So I don't know. <laughs> have you kept it up as a hobby, or did you have to leave that all behind? Oh no, I still dig dig in the dirt. Actually, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. My mom grows. She's got a great green thumb, so maybe I picked that up kind of yeah. from her and um, <laughs> summer work programs in in the city of Gary, where we would go and and do gardening and clean. Um, the vacant lots to make the city look better. Yeah. And is your mom pleased with how it worked out? Oh, really? She's really well pleased. I'm telling you, she's, <laughs> she came, she traveled over here for quite, quite a few years, like many, many, many years uh, in early house. Like when I first um, toured and signed, uh, first toured with, uh, I was the opening act for um, Alexander O'Neill and, mm. um, I mean, uh, other than that was after I got signed, actually, I need to back up, back up, back up to Kiss FM when it was a pirate and nobody knew who they were and Choice and um, all the the radio stations in Manchester. What was it called? Sunrise Radio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, The Hacienda. Yeah. um, uh, Open fields anywhere in 10 (laughs) minutes, there would be a call. Um, things like the Hitman and her. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, I remember that. Yeah, all these um, two two TV channels. I think when I first came here, and then finally yeah. ITV or something, where the Hitman and her was on television for like five hours a night. I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was a long time, wasn't it? It was like in real time that when yeah. when you went to the club and they start filming, it was real time. I was like, this is crazy, <laughs> but. Um, all of the, all of that groundbreaking pioneering stuff, and I was the only woman, yeah, out here. But I didn't realize what I, I my role was. It would be like years later, even though the record company did know that it was a genre that had yeah. not crossed into pop, that was underground, that they wanted to get in first and start to play, exploit, whatever, whatever. But yeah. little old me, I'm out here. I'm just like, just got out of college. I got a record. It's number one in the <laughs> chart 
in England. Then I get here, it's like, yeah, the chart is an underground pirate radio, and uh, <laughs> the club is a field, <laughs> and, and they call it rave, and blah blah yeah. blah. And um, yeah, so I was like, okay, it's uh, whatever, but I was <laughs> up for it. It was, you know, exciting. We go to Glasgow, Scotland. Um, all around there, um, Sheffield, places like that, Birmingham. Uh, I was everywhere. Um, uh, Eastern Europe, uh, Transylvania. I remember being in Transylvania, Lord. I was like, I'm in Transylvania. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I'm no vampires. I ate garlic that whole day. I was like, <laughs> so it was like really seriously pioneering a genre of music across um, England and, and Europe. Yeah. And it was those early records like uh, Taste My Love and I'm a Lover. So yeah. that was quite exciting. And Manchester was, Manchester had it going on, man. I mean, we were staying yeah. in the Hacienda for hours after our show, <laughs> like me, Marshall, Cece, uh, Rogers, um, you know, I, I remember when Madonna was there, I was there. I remember Heather Small was like the waitress. I remember, um, uh, Graham, uh, what's the guy that owned the Hacienda at the time? Um, Tony Wilson. Tony. <laughs> oh my God. Tony. Uh, I had, I had a ball in that place and then you come out and it'd be the next day. <laughs> I mean, like in the afternoon the next day, you're like, damn, yeah. how long have we been here? <laughs> you know? It was, yeah, it was really, really a brilliant time um, for our generation. Young people, Paul Oakenfold. I remember Paul, early days of Paul, Danny, Teneglier, Danny Rampling, um, uh, Judge Jules. All, all, all these people were on my watch, and I worked with all of them. Uh, Sasha. So yeah, so all of them. And then, um, yeah. And then, you know, eventually EMI signed me for the world for, you know, and then I um, ended up opening up, like I was saying, for Alexander O'Neill and we sold out Wembley eight nights the first night. Yeah. And that was the arena. So yeah, quite a, quite a lot. Yeah, it's an incredible period. It must have been incredible to be to be part of that. And then I guess the question then is how do you go from that sort of trajectory that you were on to then working with Maceo, Fred, Peewee? How did that come about? How did how were you asked or how did it become a thing that you were then getting involved with those guys? You know, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> because everything was moving so fast. And yeah. And I had I pinched myself every day. I was like, what is going on? And even to interject like this Glastonbury place, oh my, it was the muddiest, dirtiest place I'd ever been in in my life, I think. <laughs> and this is like 89, 80, 88, 89. And I was like, no, and look at it now. Still dirty, but it's posh. It's gl glamping, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it was not glamping then, and you were like, "Okay, I ain't coming back here." But um, <laughs> how how did how did Fred and Macy on Pee Wee come about? 
Um, wow. I don't know. However we <laughs> met, we just clicked. Because they were, they're like uncles to me. And I was over here like on my own, no family, you know. And, and, and I, we may have done a TV show together or something maybe around um, uh, Dean Wall, something, something to do with Camden or something. Cause people were mixing sounds together with dance, you know, uh, different things like that. And I, some kind of way I met Maceo and um, would it have been Stefan maybe, but Stefan minor at minor music. No, no, no. Stefan came way later. Okay. This was, this was organic. Um, how we met. Um, I think. Okay. So it was more of a sort of chance meeting rather than you being asked. Yeah. It was just like the energy we were in a place, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow. Um, and, and I needed some uncles, too, because, like I said, I had no family and stuff, and I needed that American kind of thing around me to talk to, because everybody back then was like, eh, right, eh, right, small <laughs> tea, all right, love, lovely, lovely. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it was like all kind of weird accents, strange-looking money, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> and it's before the euro, so yeah, yeah. If anywhere you went, the money looked strange and yeah, different everywhere, wasn't it? Everywhere, all these kind of accents. You go from uh London to like I said, Manchester to Leeds and you Scotland, you're like, what on earth <laughs> is anybody saying? And I'm not eating that. And I'm like, oh love, it's Agus. I'm like, I don't care. You know, it, it was just like, so then coming, I I, I it might have been a TV show, Top of the Pops. It might could have been it was a chance meeting, is the best way right, right. to say. And um and the next thing I knew, I had three uncles from America that were the funkiest <laughs> uncles on earth. Yeah. So yeah. what happened first? We, did you record with them first or did you play live no, with them first? No, we used to just kind of like hang out. We did something live. It might have been through um, uh, George Clinton how we met. Right. But any, uh, anyway, um, yeah, we did something live. They called me. Uh, Maceo called me to come and sing something, and I was already promoting my um, my album that I had signed with EMI. So I was supposed to be like focusing on breaking my my album, but I, everything was going on. I was like, "What am I supposed to do? I, there's no way in the world I'm gonna turn down the funk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm off." So you know. I remember, you know, maybe EMI was looking for me and I was off somewhere with Fred Maceo <laughs> and Pee Wee. And, you know, and I remember him calling me on stage. Come on out here, Kim Azale. We want you to help us with a little song called Man's World. And I was like, okay, I don't know, man, but I don't know it's a man's world. But, uh, and I remember um, Maceo whispering the words in my ear. Every sentence, it's a man's world. <laughs> and I just start singing, but it wouldn't be nothing. And I just go, ah! 
Without <laughs> a woman or a girl. Ba, 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 ba. And I was like inside of my body going like, are you fucking kidding me? I've got James Brown's band up here. Maceo Parker's whispering the words in my ear and I'm screaming like I'm James Brown. I, I, I can die right now. You know, <laughs> it was amazing. And um, yeah, and then I just ended up recording. They flew me to New York to do, I think, Maceo's album. And then we ended up in Germany doing the movie. <laughs> um, um, and then we ended up doing another record. And then we ended up, I ended up on tour with him somewhere. And then EMI is still saying, Kim, uh, you've got to release a new song from your album. I'm like, ah, what album? <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> but um, yeah, it is just, and, and, and we have been family since then to this day. Yeah. So you just love working with those guys and you just wanted to do whatever you could. I just love being with them. Like I said, they were like, they are family to me. They are my adopted uncles. All three of them took care of me, looked after me, taught me things about the industry because I was green as green could be. (laughs) And a newbie with a great big old record deal in a foreign land by myself with a spotlight on me. And um and they were like, well, you just gotta pace yourself, Kim, you know. <laughs> you know, you just gotta uh, da, da, da. this is what James used to do in uh da, da, da. and I just it, it's just mind blowing the level of artistry and just second language of music that they had. I used to just watch he we sit down and I, you know you think he's writing a grocery list or or note and no he's hearing music in his head and he's scoring huh. an entire like uh, song or or opera or something I'm like what do you do he's just writing all the notes in the in the key signatures and da 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 I knew a little bit about that because I had studied music theory. Yeah. But not to that level where you just hear ba 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 and you, you know, draw the five lines and the key signature and start, you know, whether it's the sixteenth note, the rest of this or that. Um, you know, I was like, wow. And I'm just sitting here and we just casually, we might have been in a hotel room in between places or backstage after a sound check or, you know, at the airport waiting for a flight <laughs> and or missing a flight. <laughs> because flights were different then too and it was more elegant flying as well too um you know but um yeah i I just and then some of the stuff macio wanted me to sing was like oh sad songs i was like i ain't singing that (laughs) (laughs) you know because i'm like in 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 one thing i'm doing house music boom boom and then he's like, uh, uh. I'm like, no, speed it up. <laughs> I don't even understand that time signature. I was like, okay. And then, yeah, too, um, a bit too much of a handbrake turn from the uh, the house music. It was like, wow. I, I remember recording sessions we have, like in Brixton, we did one in particular, what they call. Kim, you need to come for the lockdown. I was like, a lockdown? (laughs) This was like, what, 19, uh, 
91. Yeah, because I may have finished touring with Soul to Soul. Oh, yeah. I was in that band too. And yeah. e- EMI could not find me, but they were like, okay, <laughs> go and be with Soul to Soul. I was like, I just wrote this song with this group one night and um, they want to put it on their album. It was like, what group? Um, I don't know, the guy named Jazzy. They're like, Jazzy B, Soul to Soul, the number one group in the world. I was like, are they? Cause I, you know, I had never heard Back to Life or any of these right. songs yet because I'm in real life, you know. I'm on my tour. I'm out with Maceo. I'm at the after party at Brown's. I'm just trying to, um, uh, yeah, I'm just going, going, going. So when they said, yeah, okay, kid, yeah, you, we're going to sign the paper. You go work with Soul to Soul too. I was like, okay, then off I went again. <laughs> um, but, but still having this deal with EMI and knowing that we're promoting uh, you know, just everything and spinning. And so then we end up in this lockdown situation with uh, Fred, Maceo, Pee-wee, an engineer, uh, and me. And I don't know what lockdown in a studio mean. <laughs> it means they close the door and you're in there for three to five days. That's the way they right. recorded with James Brown. You right. tu- the engineer turns on the tape and tapes everything. <laughs> you never turn it off. And I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I'm like, I'm hungry. I'm sleepy. I'm, oh, no. How you old dudes staying up this long? Oh, gosh. Wow. What uh, experience. We wrote so many songs. We wrote we wrote so many songs. And then they would call us. Oh, we need some background singers. Kim, you know somebody? And I remember calling, uh, okay, Juliet Roberts, but I remember calling Juliet and um, she came in, beautiful, thick, brown sister. I remember Fred, Fred Wesley looked at her and said, she looked like she could sing and fry some chicken. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was cracking up. I, and then I looked at her, I was like, Damn, she does. <laughs> oh God, talking about going to have a funky good time. Oh yeah, it was it was like uh, it was like that party party. I, I remember going to hide in the broom closet though too, because I needed to sleep. I was like, oh my God, I can't hang. <clears throat> you know, they've been trained like this by James Brown all through the sixties yeah. and the seventies. Yeah, you know, this was and how the they 80s. knew. This was the way they were, they knew how to work. Basically. This is how this was just like nothing to them. They might go take yeah. a walk, go smoke some cigarettes, whatever, whatever. And I'd be like, "How do these dudes do it? Food ordered in, everything. You know, they call a PA or somebody. They come bring some food, fresh clothes, and they roll in again." I was like, "Okay." And then I and then I thought about it. They did this for decades with Mister Brown. Yeah. Amazing. It, you know, even the engineer, we couldn't find him after a while. He had hid <laughs> under the desk to go to sleep. Because Maceo's still playing something on the saxophone. Amazing. He's like, yeah. did you get that? <laughs> okay, I want to double it. He's like, where's the engineer? I was like, he probably done ran away too. <laughs> but uh, I wonder who that engineer was. 
Sounds intense. <laughs> it it was it was a masterclass. Yeah. It was absolutely a masterclass with three masters and then me, you know, little Skywalker. Yeah. And um uh, but <laughs> I was writing, they put something on like, okay, Kim, come over here, put a melody on top of that. Yeah. Here, uh uh go write some words. I was like, huh, okay. But it, <laughs> but everything just came though. I was like, okay. Da, 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 too much like right that it can't be it's too much like right and i like da, 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 you know just writing and blah 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 so it sounds amazing and yeah, yeah and some amazing stuff came out of it didn't it so it definitely yeah. works in some way in, in a lot of ways so what about the the life on planet groove gigs then in cologne the two the two gigs because it was it, the the live recording is, is split over two isn't it and was that just another gig? Did, were you aware that it was being recorded for the live album, or did it just was it just another gig for you and the band? Um, I number one, I never knew Life or Planet Groove was split over two shows. So thank <laughs> you for telling me that. I, uh, <laughs> did you just do one show? No, I did. I did the tour, right? But I didn't remember. I mean, this is a long time ago. <laughs> when was this? Ninety one. March ninety two. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, were you, were you aware that it was being recorded for to be put out as a live album? Or I knew that Maceo was doing a, a some live stuff, and he was making a movie or a documentary and things like that. But you know, I was probably just coming off a tour with somebody else. You know, my yeah. own tour and working with um, uh, Jazzy and those guys. So. Um, whether it registered, Kim, we were recording live, or they told me two or three times. <laughs> um, because we did record a lot of things live. We sure, did yeah. do like quite a few recordings um, live. But I did meet, um, what's his name? Minor. Um, Stefan. Stefan Minor. Yeah, yeah, I did meet Stefan, and I did actually come to think about it. See, like the recording equipment there. There were chords everywhere. So, yeah, I must have... Um, kind of known, but just put it in the back of my mind and didn't think um, like a lot about it because things like that uh, would make me nervous. Like even re recording when I saw the red button, I, I would get red button syndrome. I'm like, oh. Yeah. So <laughs> if, it, yeah, even to this day, sometimes if I see the red button, I'm like, um, I gotta, I gotta, I need some water or, you know, it's really <laughs> odd. So I don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I knew that we were doing something really, really special. Yeah. And I think I do remember the night before actually uh, uh, gigging um, uh, there too, because yeah, it was just exciting. I remember my dress and they're like, are you going to wear that? I was like, <laughs> I Why, what was it like? definitely am. Um it was clingy, <laughs> to say the least, <laughs> and it had a split on the side all the way almost up to my eyebrow. <laughs> and they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I remember going like, yes, this is what I'm going to wear. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, it's an, it's an incredible live album. As you know, we love it. And Thank we, you. I still listen to it, you know, all the time. And it made a huge impression on us back in... 1992 when we first heard it and I mean what are your memories of of those gigs or that tour or you know just that period what are your I mean I know you love obviously playing with Pee Wee Fred and Maceo but do you have any particular memories of that those nights or 
that tour that, that so come back. that now I cannot say. <laughs> <laughs> and just being a family with those guys and just them really, I mean, I really was like a niece to them, like how you would treat your niece and extra special care. Maceo teaching me how to, um, what a turnaround was <laughs> in a musical phrase. I was like, he said, okay, Kim, to the turnaround. I was like, turnaround? I thought you physically wanted me to turn around. <laughs> so, you know, different things and just looking, being on stage and just hearing all that funk, man, and just, yeah. and, and just the washing over you, it's embedded in me for forever. And sometimes I listen back to those things and I'm just so like, wow, Kim, you were there, hmm. you know, you did this. Um, so just so many moments in the studio with Maceo in New York, with him yeah. sitting behind the piano, um, teaching me uh, Otis Redding song, because he had worked with Otis Redding and all these people that they had worked with as well, and all the stories that they would tell me about, you know, this, that, and the other, you know, Uncle Pee Wee had, was MD for Van Morrison, which whisked me away off to Van Morrison. I was working with him. And then he also like worked with Esther Phillips and we did a little band thing together where I did loads of Esther Phillips songs and stuff. And um, uh, I have so many memories, just really, I yeah. just remember how they really took care of me um at that time i it Amazing. was yeah yeah what I, are the I, stories you can't tell can you give us one nope <laughs> <laughs> if i told you i'd have to kill you okay. but, uh, <laughs> it's like no nah, nope but okay. uh it's just um it's just beautiful that's 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 what i could say it was just beautiful yeah yeah well it's an, it's such a funky album isn't it and it really captures I mean, it's quite hypnotic at times, isn't it? It's particularly the sort of you know bass, drums, guitar, and then the the horns layered on top. There's a lot of it's really this the it's an incredibly funky album, and your vocals are just so powerful in the middle of it all. It's it's an absolute triumph of a, a live album. I don't think there's a there's very few better live funk albums out there. I think I I was like I wish I could have rehearsed some <laughs> of this stuff because it was just like raw coming out. I, I think some of it was like Janis Joplin. I was screaming. I was like, it just stuff. It just happened. And I remember I was in, um, and this wasn't too long ago. I was in some really posh store in either the airport or in a shopping mall and what country don't ask me. I can't remember. And, <laughs> and, and I, and I heard, I need a rabbit's foot to get you in my hook. And I was like, this is in the store. And I was just like, oh my God. And I just heard the, ah! and I was like, oh, okay. It was beautiful. I mean, it wasn't, you know, you know how they play the overhead music a little bit lower in volume. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, this store must be hip. And it was on a compilation that goes around different stores. So it was like, wow, we, we've made the cut on so many things from that period yeah. of time to like, this was like about 2022, maybe, maybe wow. before COVID, maybe 2019 or yeah. something like that. And I'm just like hearing it in, in, a, in a department store um, situation. And then they tell me, 
oh yeah, yeah, it's a it's a, a, a compilation we send to all you know they send to all the stores worldwide. So I was like, okay, <laughs> oh that's cute. And Amazing. I didn't say, oh, that's me singing or anything like that. I just was like, oh, that's nice. And carried on, you know, stick up my chest and myself and said, <laughs> you know, well done. Well done, Kim. And, you know, for getting an opportunity to work with those guys. And, uh, yeah, amazing. Did, and, did you ever rehearse with them or is it was it always a case of just turn up and, and you know, have a quick run through? Or- yeah. I, I, I don't remember. I remember one time we were, Maceo was playing um, – the Hammersmith Odeon or something like that, which is probably not called that anymore. Um, and he said, Kim, come down. And I was like, okay. And something was going on. I was in my Kim world and whatever, da, da, da. And I was, you know, getting into taxi. I was like, okay, we need to get there now, da, 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 da. And um, I got through the backstage door to the, to the side of the curtain and I heard the saxophone go, da, da, da. and it was a sad song the intro to what I sing and I had turned up at the intro. I don't know whether he was going to do an instrumental or whatever. It was in the show, blah, blah, blah. And then I came, he looked at me on the side. And then when I got on the, on the show, I've been singing these sad, sad songs, sad songs. All I know. I remember him whispering. He said, did you just hear this? I said, yup. He said, my girl. He's like, girl, your timing. You always get that timing, Kim. I'll, I'll never forget that. I, and even to myself, I was like, dang, that was some Jedi stuff. <laughs> that was it's some incredible. Jedi, Jedi stuff. It. But yeah, a lot of times it was just like, yep, just come to the side of the stage. And um, if you don't know the words, we'll whisper them in your ear, uh, and blah, 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 and da, da, da. And it was just, everything was quite organic. Yeah. But um, but in your body, it was already in your body. Mm. So, yeah, it's great. Amazing. Oh, it's amazing to hear your memories of all that. There's just one other thing I, I really wanted to ask you about, actually, which is that your version of Young Hearts Run Free um, is so good. Thank um, you. And I just wanted to, yeah, what? how did that come about? And was that just, was that? How did yeah? How did the recording of that come about? And and it's obviously become such a big song because of the the movie, the Romeo and Juliet movie. Yeah. Uh, to a lot of people, but yeah, you, it's an incredible perform, incredible the production on that, and your voice is just absolutely amazing of that song. I think. Thank you. That's that's Nelly Hooper from Soul to Soul, mm. uh, who produced that. He produced that entire soundtrack track for um, Baz Luhrmann and yeah. and and. Um, Great songs on there, great artists on there. Yeah, phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal. It really is phenomenal. We'll stay in history as well. Yeah. And and we went like six times platinum with that. And yeah. and, and it really, um, you know, it, 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 it even brought Candy Statton back because she had not been, you know, on sure. the circuit as much either till that came back out. And, 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 and it's a, a great song. Anyway, but I do remember Nelly calling me saying, Kim, come over. I got an idea. I'm working on something, basically. He said, I'm working mm. on something. And he was like uh, at his house in Belsize Park in the U- in London. Yeah. And he lived next door to um, the Eurythmics guy. What's his name? David? Oh, Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart. So it was, it's like in this behind gates, uh, kind of like cul-de-sac, two houses, Nelly's and Dave Stewart's. 
And I pull mm-hmm. up and go into the house and da da da. And he's got like this setup in the living room, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and he plays me the, uh, and he says, um, I want to play something for you. I want you to do a little singing on it if you know it, or you can learn it and come back. And he played it. I said, I already know this song. This Candy Stat and Young Hearts Run Free. <laughs> you know, but the 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 track was a whole nother thing. Yeah. That, I mean, what they created him and uh, Marius, uh, who does like a lot of scores for films, but he didn't mm-hmm. then at that time, but he's grown to do that. Um, that I listened to that. I was like, shoot, I don't even need no lyrics. I just go in there, uh, whatever, and record it. He had the the um, microphone set up in the bathroom. So I went in the bathroom, mm-hmm. the toilet, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't just an ordinary bathroom. I mean, you know, it was a N- Nelly Hooper bathroom. It was quite grand. <laughs> and I went in there, what's since sharing this one and only life? And I went in there, and uh, that was it. Because the energy was in me and on me. I've been working, touring, doing stuff. So your singing vocal mm-hmm. is already warmed up. Your voice, yeah. your energy, yeah. everything. And um, I think I may may have doubled it. You know, you go and sing it twice yeah. and then put in some different little uh, harmony, maybe a little backing vocals. I think I had to do everything that day. Um, or I ended up doing it. They're like, well, why are you here? You might as well finish it. It sounds great. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And um, he sent it to LA or to Baz Luhrmann in Australia. I don't know who he sent it to, but whoever he sent it to, they's like, this is it, you know? And um, and I remember going back to Spain, Ibiza, because I was working on a project with um, Joaquin Cortez, who was a flamenco dancer, singer, extraordinaire and I was singing flamingo believe it or not <laughs> I tell you I was singing flamingo songs for him to date with all these gypsies out of Andalusia I mean my my life is a movie out of Andalusia and and Jaref and all these places so I'm like um uh yeah in Spanish and 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 you know with all the gypsies dancing and the flamingo dancing and da 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 so I went to uh Sevilla and I was sitting by the pool and I got a phone call and the phone was ringing. It was Nelly Hooper. He said, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. And I was like, what you talking about? He's like, they love your song. It's going to be in this movie, Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, what? I dropped the phone and went and dived in the pool. And, <laughs> and just, that was it. And then like a week later, when I get back to England, he says, Oh, they want you to fly to LA and do the vocals over because oh, wow. they were like, Oh, they just kind of, um, Whatever. And Nelly was like, these vocals don't need to be done over. Anyway, we went to L.A., big, beautiful studio, all of the bells and whistles laid out, da, 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 da. That energy was not the same. They kept the original vocals. (laughs) Amazing. So, yeah, so that's how that happened. And then we ended up going six times platinum, uh, Grammy nominated. um, And I sing that song to this day. Um, it is just, it, 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 and, it, and it's great. It's a great honor to share the song with um, um, Candy Statton. It always reminds me of how Whitney must have felt to share um, the, uh, what's that song she did? Uh, the same as George Benson. Uh, the Greatest Love of All. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. So I, I always pay homage to Miss Statton for that song, and I was glad to be able to put it on the radar again for a whole nother generation and that. So it's been, it's, it's amazing. 
I'll be singing it tomorrow night, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Incredible. Where are you playing tomorrow night? I'm playing at the uh, Show Me Love event at the Brentwood um, Center in um, in Essex, I think. I think it is. And it's myself and Aswad and Odyssey uh-huh. and um, Loose Ends. Um, yeah, the Four Tops. So it's going to be like a soulful night. So it should be really good, yeah. Well, enjoy that and enjoy whatever's coming down the track as well. It, it, it's amazing to talk to you, Kim. I mean, I have to say, you know, your vocals on Life on Planet Groove and um, Young Hearts Run Free and all the other stuff is absolutely incredible. And it's it's a real pleasure to talk to you. So thank you so much for, for sharing your memories and everything about the album and, and everything else. Thank you, Guy. Really appreciate it. I, I, I'd love to get a copy of this. Yeah, um, we will. We'll share it with you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so appreciate it. Thank you. Life on Planet Groove. Keep grooving. So there we go, Kim Maisel. Ed, what did you think of all that? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love Kim Maisel. What an interview. Yeah. Just um, what a personality, you know. Um, so many things. Oh, I don't, I don't even know where to start. I just love her voice, Guy. Her voice is absolutely, you know, incredible. And her personality shines through in, in everything that she says. Yeah. One thing that I just really love, just on a personal note, is all the little... Because she spent a lot of time you know, in the UK and been, a, you know, an integral part of the um, the house music scene in the UK. And these little UKisms that just, you know, slip into her vocabulary. I love telly and, and loads of. Yeah. And when she, you know, did it's her... Little... having a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, she was very amusing, very funny. Yeah. She's, yeah, great, great person to talk to. I loved it. And I think we've referenced the fact before that you and I both uh, grew up in Manchester and mm. you know the Manchester connection talking about Hacienda yeah you know Tony uh, Tony Wilson you know that um really brought um a smile to my face as well and you know made me feel closer to home yeah I love the whole stuff about her you know her mum as well that Kim knew she wanted to be a singer but her mum was was there to encourage her and it it all worked out well in the end she said you know we're hearing her say that her mum was so thrilled with her career and stuff was was really nice yeah and yeah I just love her sort of her attitude to life was just amazing, isn't it? You know, like we, and just the detail as well that she, you know, she wasn't recruited as such to be part of Maceo's band. They just met somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and Not sure where. She was like, it just, she doesn't even know how it happened, but <laughs> th- then she started performing with them and it's great. And, and I love that those bits where, you know, she'd been signed to a record label, but they'd no idea where she was. She was just recording with other people all over the place. Yeah. She was going touring. It just sounds like she just. She just did what she wanted for a long time, and I have massive respect for that. A life well lived. And, you know, the, the family connection as well, talking about her mum, you know, the way she described Fred, Maceo, and Pee Wee as her, you know, her funky uncles. And, yeah, I really love that idea of her running around with them and, you know, record label going, where is she? Where's Kim? <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. I loved it. Yeah, it just made made it, the whole story of of her involvement with them just a really nice 
obviously quite a sort of mentor mm. mentee relationship a lot of it in ways wasn't it you know they yeah they taught you could tell that she learned a lot from them uh, but they obviously loved having her around and one other thing that I just um, I love that she picked up on um, in her own life, listening back to it, you know, years later and, and being sort of struck by the rawness of it and how mm. for you and I, that's such an integral part of the album, something I love so much about it. It's this amazing recording and it's but it's not, you know, super polished that, you know, and, and a perfect example of that. Oh, not to say that the vocal performance wasn't polished because it's, it's astonishing, you know, technically incredible. But but the, the, the rawness to her voice, the sound of her voice. You know, it just rips out of the speakers and, yeah. you know, grabs you by the throat. And it just, yeah, yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the tracks that she appeared on just, you know, elevated them to another level. Just, I love, I love Kim on yeah. the album. Do you, do you have a... Um, so a, powerful, isn't yeah. she? Just so powerful as a vocalist. Do you have a, is there a favorite Kim moment on the album for you? One track in particular that stands out or just, you know, everything that she performed on? It's got to be, I got you. I feel good. Because that's her, the first track that she appears on. Yeah. And she, it's just like an explosion of vocals, isn't it? I remember, I, I don't remember listening to it for the first time, but I just, you know, I do have a feeling that just the impact of her just appearing from nowhere, you know, being dropped from the sky. Yeah, I love that. It's just, it's actually quite short, isn't it? That that version. It's just, it's like a, a blast of pure funk. And, and the way that it drops in as well, because, you know, we, we talked about in the very first episode, the first two tracks and, and how we feel about those. But there's that bit at the end of the second track when it's clear we're shifting from one night to the next night. And it's just been, you know, the core band. And then, you know, we appreciate you all coming back, you know, tonight, come again tomorrow night, yeah. special guests will be. And then, you know, rattles off the special guests and then, you know, bam, there they are all playing. You know, you can hear <laughs> Vincent on the bass, Kim tearing it up. Although for me, I have to say, it's the one that follows. I got to get you that I just absolutely love. And you know, uh, um, yeah, she mentioned that one, didn't she? Yeah, I think she was when she was listening. Um, she heard it playing through the speakers in some fancy shop <laughs> at the airport or something. Yeah, that's it. And that you know, because that's a tune that's um, you know Maceo recorded first in the seventies, and you know, having that you know the the James Brown track and then the Maceo track one after the other, and yeah, I think um, well, I think that's uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull rank here. Not that I have any rank in this relationship, <laughs> and say the tune that will play out with. To finish this episode, it's, it's going to be um, got to get you. Get you. Me too. I got to get you. What's 